0: Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. We are in our second part of our series on spiritual warfare on urban legends. Um, And uh, we're excited to wrap this up today. I believe God is going to bring a lot of clarity and truth. Say amen when you're there. The word of God reads, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Everyone say my stand. You take my stand against the devil's schemes, or his plans, or his strategies. For our struggle is not against. Let me say it this way: each other. Look at your neighbor and say, "I'm not fighting you." Although we do sometimes, we're not fighting each other. But, but our fight is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And because of all of that, there's a cause and there's an effect. That's the cause. The effect is therefore put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, so that when all of those things happen, that for example in verse twelve, when that happens, you will you will be able to stand your ground. Someone say my ground. And after you have done everything to stand, you're to stand again with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet filled with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you've done, all that you're about to do in this house, God. We just bring you all the glory and all the praise, God. Lord, I just thank you in the next few moments, you would do more than we could do in a lifetime. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment. We invite you into our hearts right now and into our lives. And we ask, oh God, that through a supernatural show of your force today, Lord, that you would move in our hearts and our lives. Restore us, oh God to the place for which you have called us and the people we know that we are called to be. And we ask this in your precious name. And God's people said, amen. So may give the Lord a praise today as you're seated in his house. Hallelujah. Real quick, for all of those that are participating in our Capital 100 on November the 3rd, that Saturday when we walk from our church to the Austin uh, Capitol, the state capital in Austin, we have a meeting immediately following our church and our, our, our worship time and our prayer time. So, We'll give time for prayer after church as we normally do. Following that, uh, please stay in the house here today. We're giving away the t-shirts because we want everyone to have a t-shirt uh, today that has our logo on it, the Capital 100 logo, um, and um, so we want to give that to you today. Uh, so if you're walking, if you're running, if you're biking, uh, if you're participating in those areas, we need you to stay today. Also, we need drivers. If you're interested in driving some of the vans, I just want to put this out there, we um, to possibly using your car to help transport some of the, the runners or the walkers uh, please uh, stay after church as well and the rest of the staff will be in here and uh, we'll answer all of your questions, we'll, we'll talk about what's going to happen that day what it will look like from beginning to end and I'm excited, you should be excited if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, have you noticed the resolution that I've posted that we received from the state of Texas, have you seen that, has anyone not seen that raise your hand if you haven't seen that, a lot of you Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. It's on the Bulletin. And uh, I've been posting that. It's just cool resolution. We're going to frame it, and it's from the state of Texas, the House of Representatives that states what we're doing that day. And uh, we're excited to have that uh, as a part of our history in this moment. Good things are going to happen. Um, also, I want uh, want you to tune in this Thursday, November the 1st, at 1030 in the morning. I will be on uh, 1400 Lynn Woolley's show, that radio uh, show that morning. I'll uh, we'll be doing a live interview uh, with him. That's this Thursday, 1030 in the morning. Uh, tune in to 1400 a.m. We're gonna, I'm going to be talking uh, about our church, about the Capital 100, why we're doing it, what we believe in. And I'm excited about it. I hope that you are too. And we'll give our, our church a special shout out that morning on the radio. So please be tuning in. And let me know on Facebook or Twitter, whatever, that you are listening in. So uh, that's this Thursday, November the 1st, 1030 in the morning. And uh, it's going to be good. We're going we're gonna to talk about God on the radio. Amen? Is that okay? Amen. Well, we are in our second series here um, of Urban Legends, wrapping up what, what, what we've begun last week, talking about spiritual warfare, how the devil works in the dark. Last week, we talked about angels and demons. We talked about spiritual attack. We talked about how God can assign his angels to us, how his angels will protect us and we also talked about demons and that there is a dark force and that there's a real dark world around us and that uh, these angels and demons battle, the angels battle for us, the demons battle against us. It's a very real, so those of you that received the, uh, the studies of the books, I encourage you to read those. Those are going to be great assets to your life and in your spiritual walk and a devotional time, possibly for your family. And it talks about uh, the unseen world. And so today, what I want us to focus on is, is what we just read here in this passage, the armor of God. Would you raise your hand today if you've ever heard this passage before or heard of the term armor of God? Sure, a, a majority of us today, we've heard of the armor of God. And, but how many of us really know what that means? And so when we hear about the breastplate of righteousness, you know, or the, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, what does that really mean? What, what, do, what do those things mean? So this morning we're going to cover that, but some, some other things even greater in detail. So, here we have in Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to turn back in your Bibles with me so you have it. If you guys could, put it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go to verse 13. And it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be, may be able to stand your ground. Now, you cannot spell your ground without our ground. I want to say that again. You cannot spell your ground without our ground. So I want to read it this way. So that you or we will be able to stand our ground. How many know that it's easier to stand with someone than it is to stand alone? Let me ask you this way. On November the 3rd, if it were just me just saying that, you know what, I'm just going to walk from the church campus to the state capitol that day. And it's just going to be one man and and. You know, I don't think that we would have had as much media attention as we would have had. I don't know that um, we would have had state representatives want to be involved because of just one guy. But what makes it cool is that almost 250 of us on that Saturday are coming together. Amen? And we're saying, you know what? We realize that we're stronger together than we are apart. And that we believe and have in common the same beliefs, we believe in the same God, we stand for the same purposes. So when we stand on Saturday, November the 3rd, we don't stand, I don't stand by myself, but we stand together. So let's read this scripture again. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, we may be, may be able to stand our ground. You can stand your ground. We have to Take a stand for what we believe in. But here's the issue, church. So many of us aren't really sure what we believe in. Therefore, we cannot take a real stand on anything. You don't have to shout me down right there. I know that was maybe an indictment. But let me just take that a little further. What do we believe in? What do we really believe in? Do you really know what this church, the church that you attend, what we believe in, what our 16 fundamentals of truths are? Do you really believe in that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Amen? Do you believe that He is the only Son of God? Do you believe that, that there, He is the only way to God the Father? And through without Him, there is no way to get to God. Do you know that we believe in divine healing at this church? That's why at the end of every service, we call for the elders of the church as James chapter 5 tells us to do. We believe in what we call the infallible Word of God. That means that God's Word has no fault in it. From Genesis to Revelation, regardless of who preaches it, regardless of who teaches it, God's Word stands alone. Are you with me, church? And John chapter 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And the world did not receive the Word because the world could not perceive it. They didn't understand it. This is why when Jesus came, so many of the people who knew the law of God didn't really believe in Jesus. They believed in the law, but they did not believe in the Son of God. Do we really believe in this stuff that we're singing about and that we're preaching about? If we believe in it, then we can take a stand for it. I think our world and our culture is begging for people to take a stand. I don't know about you, but I don't think our world is looking for just another church to fit in to the paradigm of church. I believe our world and our culture is desperate and is hungry for a committed group of believers in Belton and in Colleen And those watching on the internet today, for us to come together and say, we take a stand for these things. This is what we believe in, and we take a stand for it. So when the day of evil comes, Crossroads family, listen up. We are able to take a stand. Why? Because we know at the core of who we are, what we believe in. And we've got to believe in those things, like I said, at the core of who we are. We take a stand for what we believe in. Well, how do we do that? What, what does that look like? When we, what does it mean when I say we take a stand? How does that actually happen? I mean, it's not like the devil... You know, comes and he manifests himself right in front of us and and, uh, he says, get ready Matt, tomorrow I'm going to send you an email and uh, tomorrow Matt, I'm going to attack you in this way so if you could just put that on your calendar and be looking for that the devil doesn't do it that way does he? it's okay to laugh in church, I promise God won't get mad at us it's not like the devil warns us I mean that would be It would be great if he would do that. I mean, I guess we could really be prepared. But here's the cool thing about the believer who's been living in the word and reading the word. The devil can attack you whenever he chooses to attack you because you've already settled in your heart the truth. So when the falsehood comes against you, when the liar and the deceiver comes against you, you don't have to call the pastor. You don't have to call a prayer chain. You don't have to put it on Facebook what's going on or tweet about it. You can just deal with that situation right there. Who's with me today? And you just say, devil, I'm going to deal with you right now. I'm not going to put this off. How dare you bring that junk in my home and you bring that trash into my marriage and you try to confuse me. I, I just, I'm just going to go ahead and take a stand for what I believe in right here and right now. And I think many of you, your lives would change, your marriages would look different, your careers could exceed if you would start taking a stand for the stuff that you believe in. And let the devil know at the moment of attack, at the point of attack, you just go ahead and take your stand, shrug him off, do what you got to do, and believe in God that he'll come and help you. And you take a stand for what you believe in. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to irritating the devil today. Amen. I believe that he's tuning in. He's listening in because he's not happy with what Crossroads and Belton and Colleen is doing. He knows that we're doing big stuff. He knows that we're reaching people that no one should reach. We're reaching the stuff that other people have pushed to the side. Church, if you only knew the half of the people that we reach throughout the week, and we're reaching and we're pulling and we're tugging and we're, we're going after people that no one else will go after, and we're upsetting the establishment. We're upsetting the enemy. But I've got news for him. I'm going to do something while I'm here on this planet. Amen. And I believe that you want to as well. Spiritual warfare. How many believe that you see the evidence in your own life that you are in a battle? Amen. Man, parents, we are in a battle for the lives of our children. Every parent, hear the heart of this, Dad. It is up to us. Not necessarily... It, the whole thing does not fall on the pastor's shoulders or our youth pastors or our children's pastor or some of the weight falls on us, absolutely but the majority of the weight falls upon the shoulders of parents, to the single mom or the single dad, to the grandparents Who we have, we have several grandparents in our church who are, who are once again having to raise their grandchildren and so it's up to us, those that are raising children, for us to wage this war over the battle for our children parents, do you agree with me today, say amen we've got to wage a good fight that means parents, that we don't give up, look at your neighbors. say don't give up, look at your other neighbors. say don't give in don't give up, don't give in say it with me, don't give up don't give in let's say it again, don't give up and don't give in One more time, don't give up and don't give in. Amen. I think some of you need to make that your mantra for this week. You know what, devil? I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to give in. You've done mess with the wrong Christian. Come on, somebody. Amen. You went and messed with the wrong couple. You messed with the wrong single mom or the wrong single dad. You messed with the wrong grandparent. I'm going to fight for my children. Parents, you ready to fight for your children today? Amen, I believe that you are. We've got to fight for our kids. We've got to pray. And ha- so how do we do that, parents? What does that look like? Well, well, number one, it is up to us in our alone time at home. It's got to start in the home. It has, that is where the genesis of this has to be. That is the launching point for this movement. It's not good enough, uh, it's just not good enough for us to agree together and, and to shout each other down this morning. But when we go home, we have to put this stuff into practice. For, for, the, for the, the traditional family styles in the house today, for the dad, the mom, and the, the, the kids. Dad's, the, the shoulder, the, the, the weight falls upon your shoulders. Come on, dads. Let me hear just the dad say amen. amen. Come on, that was weak. Dad, say amen. amen. Tim, you can say whoa. There we go. Dads, it's up to us to lead our families. It is up to us to lead our families. I want every dad to lock eyes with me today. Every, every, every dad that's ever raised a child in here. How many know would, would agree with me? Just, that just because you have a child doesn't make you a dad or a father. My father was involved in my life. Dad, you, dads, this is in my message, but I feel in my heart to say this. Just come alive in your family wake up out of yourself and be involved your your kids are desperate for a godly man in their lives dad let me tell you to, to the to the men that have girls in here as, as John is raising my brothers raising two daughters and I, I'm raising one daughter that that we need to show them what a real man looks like what a real godly man talks like how a man is supposed to treat a woman So that when they go out looking for a man, they say, well, he's not like my daddy. And for all the young teenage girls in the house, let me just say this. If your boyfriend is not in church this morning, or a church, but especially this church, if he's not, uh, we might as well start worshiping together, amen? I mean, what? do everything else, let's just worship together. I gotta get back alright so parents it starts it starts in the home it starts with us we've it's got to begin with us I've got to move on so we're able to stand our ground and stay with me and he says stand your ground after you have done everything still in verse 13 after you have done everything to stand you're to stand again with the armor of God has anyone ever felt like in here you've kind of been to this point at the end of verse 13 because if you notice between verses 13 and 14 a whole shift of attitude and of mentality and the style of, of, of Paul's writing changes in two verses. In verse 13 he's addressing and he's identifying that humanistic side of all of us where he begins to identify how I feel and I think how a lot of us feel sometimes in our lives when he says and after you have tried Everything, Or you've done all that you know to do to stand. Have you ever kind of said that in your life? You know what, God, I've, I've tried everything that I, that I know to try. God, I've done everything I know to do. God, I'm, I'm volunteering in the church. I'm tithing. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm volunteering in our local outreaches. God, I, I'm doing everything that you called me to do. I, I'm trying everything that I know to try. Anyone else across this family, you ever felt like that before? You know, when I read this, what I read is Paul saying, after you as a man or as a woman, as a human, after you've exhausted all of your resources, once you've called everybody that you could call, once that you've Facebooked everything that you could Facebook, once you have read all the good books that you could read, once you've done everything that you know to do to stand on your own two feet all that your intellectual mind can tell you what you're to do in those moments when calamity strikes, when the enemy sneaks up behind you, when he attacks your family when he comes and tries to drive a wedge between your marriage when he jumps into your career and tries to disrupt your promotions or favor from God when you're trying to raise your children up in a godly way and there's rebellion in the home and, and the enemy is tapping at your door And he's saying, guess what, believer? You've tried everything that there is to try. So Paul is addressing that, and he's saying, when you've reached that point, here's what you do. You stop standing how you know how to stand, what you think is right, and what you think you should do. Once you've gotten all that out of the way, isn't it much easier? How funny is it in life that when we've done all that we know to do, finally we give God a chance? You know what I'm talking about, church? You know, when we've reached the end of our rope. And then all of a sudden we have, we have given so much room for God because we've exhausted all that stuff that where there should have been empty space for God was full of what stuff that we thought we should do to fight the enemy. And now he's saying once you've done all of that and the wagons have come full circle now this is how you stand. You begin to put on the full armor of God. You begin to put it on. I want, to, I want you to jump with me real quick to 1st Samuel chapter 17. 1st Samuel chapter 17. There is a saying that gained ground back in World War II um, is when it really became popular. And uh, you've probably seen it played out in old World War II films. And, uh, I'm looking forward to Veterans Day, by the way. It's coming up on November the 11th. Where we have a special way we're going to be Honoring veterans that day. I want you to be here. My grandpa is a World War II veteran. We have several World War II veterans in our house and many veterans, so I'm excited we get to honor our veterans in a special way that day. But a saying that became famous in World War II was it was the soldiers would would yell this out. They would shout this out uh, down the line and that was simply hold the line. Everyone say hold the line. Hold the line. Say it like you mean, hold the, line. hold the line. Because you know when you're out there in battle, and you're fighting, and, and bullets are coming back and forth, you're not just like, hold the line. Hold the line! <laughs> and you're shouting it, and you're screaming, it. and they begin to say to one another, hold the line. Why was this so pivotal? Why is this so mission critical? Because, alluding to what I said earlier, that soldiers know, now fighting, the way the way battles have fought, have surely drastically changed. Thinking back to World War Two and how, how the battle was fought during those times, especially what was unique to, to that situation. And uh, My grandpa has told me stories about then, and we have men who have, who have fought in Vietnam, and, and uh, maybe even our soldiers today, but but especially on some of these tropical islands when we were fighting the, the empire of Japan, or even when we were in Europe, and my grandpa fought in Europe, and as the, as the... Uh, allied forces made their way through Europe through France and Belgium, and etc, and they would begin to form a line. Our forces would form a line, and they would they would hold that line they would fight for that line because that line could have been representative of many things. it could have been their last line of defense. It could have meant that if the enemy breached that line that they could have overtaken a city or or, or taken even mer- more territory back, but they would begin to hold the line, and they would shout that to one another. Even when the fighting became treacherous, and it looked like there was no hope in sight, they would shout to one another. A captain and officer would say, hold the line. And they would hold the line together. They would begin to fight together. I think our church could be much stronger. We're strong. But remember the 90-day challenge? We're talking about being great. If you were here as we when we debut the 90 day challenge we're talking about having a great church and we're still on that mission today and I think one of the things, one of the ingredients that makes a great church simply is that we fight for one another are you with me today? I've never fought in battle, I've never served in military only our men and women who have been brave enough to do that can truly paint a picture of us for what it's like for someone who is not your blood if you will but is your blood to fight for them, I think the church could adopt some of those principles. Because so many times we become so occupied in fighting for ourselves, we forget that there is people all around us that we may be sitting right next to them today, right now. And they're fighting for their marriage. Their marriage is on the brink. For all you know, they have counseled me with me this week. And they're saying, man, my marriage is in trouble. Or maybe they're fighting for their teenagers or their children. Or they're fighting for their parents. Or they're fighting for their careers. Or they're fighting for their sanity. Amen? And we got to fight for one another. We must hold the line. So Paul tells us to put on the armor of God. 1 Samuel chapter 17 is a passage that we're all familiar with. I'm going to close with this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter so you can let out a sigh. I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. But we're familiar with this. This is the story of David and Goliath. How many raise your hand and say, you know, Pastor Matt, I, I'm familiar with this story, right? That David was a shepherd boy. He was not king at this point. He had never served as king. He didn't want to be king. He didn't go out and, and, and raise a political fund and have a super PAC to try to be king. He just, he was just David. He was just one of Jesse's sons. He was just a shepherd all he had really done up to this point and no one even knew about it what he had done but he had killed a lion and he had killed a bear and he was a good shepherd and he at the request of his dad had taken food to his brothers who were on the line and they were holding a line against the philistines and the bible says that there was one of the giants one of the champions of the philistines his name was goliath everyone say goliath and so goliath was shouting profanities against israel and and using God's name in vain, and devil, excuse me, all David uh, did was come to bring food to his brothers. And while he's there, he hears Goliath shouting out in this valley from the top of his lung, this profanity against God and, 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 and saying bad things about God and Israel. And he's questioning everyone, why isn't someone doing something about this? I believe in every generation, there is a group or remnant of God's people who will stand up for what's right, even when religious people don't. Others will kind of shake the ground and say, wait a minute. Why isn't someone doing something about this? We have to do something about it. Are you with me today, church? But, but I want you to check this out. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 30, it says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. The Hebrew word for armed means clothed. So I want to read it to you this way. So Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor or he clothed him in his armor. The Hebrew word for armor is judgment. Now I want you to stay with me. I'm going to show you how this works. So what if you read it the way it's written with these original Hebrew words, it's saying that Saul clothed David in his judgment. Because the Bible tells us here in this story That Saul, he told David, he said, all right, David, you want to go fight Goliath? So be it. Here's my armor. David was smaller than Saul the king. In fact, the Bible tells us that Saul was, if you will, a manly man. He was a brawny man. He would have been on the brawny paper towel rolls. Saul was big and strong. The Bible tells us of his appearance, that he had muscles on muscles. He looked like a king. David didn't look much like a king. He was a smaller guy. So when Saul put his armor on David, it, it swallowed him up. It didn't fit him. And what the Bible is telling us is that, that Saul clothed David in his judgment. What the judgment means is that David, excuse me, Saul would have fought the battle this way. Saul is a king. He was thinking like a king. And a king says, if I'm going to go slay a giant, I have to have my armor on. This is what I'm wearing. This armor made of real metal, made of real cast iron, made of these real precious metals and I'm going to go out with a real sword and a real shield and I'm going to fight this, this guy, this Goliath. But we know today that what was happening in the story is much more than one man slaying another man. There was a spiritual war raging on. And that Goliath represents the devil in our lives. How many have ever faced or you're facing now a Goliath in your life? So what did David do? He tried that armor on, or he tried on the way that Saul said you're supposed to fight a battle. It didn't work for David, so David took the judgment off. He took off the way that, that Saul said he's supposed to fight a battle. And David said, "I'm not going to fight it the way that you think I should. I'm going to go fight it how I notified it, and that's with a spear, a sling, and five stones. And that's." That's how I'm going to go fight. And and we know that he went out and he told Goliath, he said, today the birds are going to eat your flesh and I'm going to take your head back, basically is what he said. And Goliath chuckled and laughed. and He knocked him over and took his head and all of that stuff. I'm telling you today, don't fight the battle in the way that other people are telling you to fight. Sir, our world would tell us, well, you you, you know, if your marriage is to be successful, then... You, know, you, you have to go to so many retreats, or you have to do so many things, or you know what, you have to do this, you have to do the world would tell us to save our marriages would look different than what God's way would tell us. Or maybe there's people in our life who mean well, who who mean well for us, but but if we do what they tell us to do, we're not going to get very far. I'm telling you today to listen to the voice of God, hear the voice of God. He knows what you're facing right now in this moment, he knows what you're going. And if you'll listen to him and hear his voice and follow his voice, you will find that the enemies you face will fall before you every time. Amen? Let's give the Lord a praise today in this place. Hallelujah.